Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. I want to talk to you for a little bit. Uh, The title of my message today is going to be Fear Not. And I'm going to go to Judges uh, chapter 6, verses 11 through 16. I know you just sat down, but could you please stand one more time for the reading of the word? Judges chapter 6, verses 11 through 16. How many of you know who Big Bad Gideon is in the Bible? That's who we're going to be focusing on today. So I'm going to go ahead and start reading. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was in Oprah, that pertained unto Joash the Abyssalite and his son Gideon. Uh, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him. I'm going to get to this in a little bit, but I just want to pause and emphasize to you, the angel of the Lord approached Gideon. Gideon was threshing wheat by the winepress, and God saw something in Gideon that he put there, and God was going to use Gideon to do something amazing. So the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And our fathers told us of saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent thee? And he said unto him, and he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am of the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. So today, I hope that was good for you, because when I read that, this past Wednesday, God spoke to me instantly and said, Fear not. So that's what I want to deliver to you with the help of the Holy Ghost. So if we could all bow our heads and pray. Thank you, Jesus, so much for all that you've done for us and all that you're going to do in this service and in our lives. And we give you all the glory and honor because no flesh is going to glory in your presence. And we want to uh, be careful to lift you up today. And I pray that this word would leap off the pages and become a living organism in our lives and help us to grow from it and to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Terror, horror, panic, trepidation, dread, worry, apprehension, nervousness. These are all words that we've experienced at some point in our life. These are all synonyms of the big word fear. How many of you have experienced fear in your life? Everybody. That's a human emotion. That's a human issue that we deal with all the time. Who used to live in fear? This guy Gideon that we're going to talk about, the point in history where he was living, Israel lived in fear. Today, I want to talk about uh, fear extensively, and we're going to really examine Gideon's life and Gideon's story. And there are three specific kinds of fear that I want to deal with today. The fear of rejection, the fear of incapability, and the fear of defeat. Those were three specific types of fear that Gideon struggled with in three specific times in his life. And we all deal with those fears. We all feel the need to fit in, and we're scared of rejection. We all feel incapable when God calls us to a a greater level, to a new destiny. And we all fear defeat spiritually, physically, uh, and that, that, 
that feeds into our spiritual life and can be detrimental if we do not allow the Spirit of God to lead us. Before we get to the opening text, I want to give you a little bit of uh, context on where Israel's at right now, or in this scripture. Israel had turned to idolatry. They worshipped Baal. I know we talk about Baal a lot, and Baal was a, a god that appeared over and over and over again in Israel's history. Does anybody know who or what Baal was? He was a fertility god. The reason, idolatry is a sin. It, putting anything before God is a sin, but I want you to understand, most of the time when the word idolatry comes up in Scripture and it's referencing Baal, he was a fertility god. So the practices and rituals involved immoral relationships. That's why God used the term harlot with Israel a lot when they turned to idolatry. It's because there was some, some form of immoral relations going on when they were worshiping Baal. Also, God delivered Israel into the Midianites' hands for seven years because of idolatry. The Midianites were a, Midian was a son of Abraham, and he was banished. Uh, Keturah was his mother, and Keturah was a concubine. And Ab, uh, God banished um, these five sons of Keturah. One of them was Midian. And that's where the people, that's where the people, the Midianites came from. It's in Genesis 25, 1 through 5, because they were born to a concubine. They were not the true heirs of Abraham. They were a nomadic culture of the desert. They traveled all over the place in the wilderness. And they were also idol worshipers. And they led Israel into the worship of Baal before they conquered them. The Midianites, the Amalekites, and Eastern people besieged Israel. They destroyed crops, they destroyed livestock, and everything else in their way. They completely annihilated Israel's economy. They had nothing left. They took away Israel's weapons. No Israelite was able to carry any weapon under the Midianite rule. Every Israelite woke up with the same question every day. Will I or my family live through the day? Will we be executed? Will we starve to death? Talk about living in fear. Israel cried out to God and God sent a prophet to them and told them, this happened because you, and I'm paraphrasing, this happened because you turned away from me. You are under the rule of the Midianites because you turned to idolatry and forsook me. But fear not the gods of the Amalekites. That's what God said to the people of Israel. Fear not their gods because I will deliver you. Now we get to the opening text. Gideon is hanging out in a wine press threshing wheat because he was trying to hide it. You don't thresh wheat in a wine press. The Midianites were, they, they had conquered Israel and they had besieged them to the point where everybody was starving. Gideon was trying to do something to provide for his family and he was hiding it from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord approached Gideon. I find that very interesting because Gideon is not on his knees seeking the face of God in this moment. Gideon is doing what he's got to to live. And the angel of the Lord comes to him and says, the Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. One thing you have to understand about Gideon, he was a wimp. Gideon, before, at this moment, he was a wimp. He asked the angel of the Lord, if God's with us, then why is all this happening? He was complaining. He was upset. He was scared just like every other Israelite was. And he was a nervous wreck. Every time God spoke to him, he second-guessed it. Every time God spoke to him, he asked for a sign from God. We'll get to that in a little bit, but I just want you to understand who Gideon is at this point. He's a scared man. It's ironic because his name means destroyer and mighty warrior, and he's not. He's the opposite. He's scared 
out of his mind. Verse 12, the angel called him a mighty man of valor. Valor means courage in the face of danger. Gideon was not being courageous. Gideon was just trying to get by. God knows everything, amen? God knows the end from the beginning. God knows our hearts. God knows our personalities. So why on earth would God call him a mighty man of valor? God did not call Gideon a man of valor because of his natural courage, because he didn't have any. God called Gideon a mighty man of valor because God cannot fail. God already knew that he was going to use Gideon. God already knew what was going to happen in Gideon's life. God does not have to rely on our courage. It doesn't matter if we're scared or we, th we think we can take the world. God knows what's going to happen in your life. He called Gideon a man of valor because he, was, he knew, Gideon, I'm going to take your life. I'm going to turn it into something courageous. I'm going to use you to conquer the Midianites. Even though you don't see it right now, you're a man of valor. I want to go to Judges 6, 17 through 24. And this is a little bit after they have their dialogue, the angel of the Lord and Gideon. 17 through 24. So it says, and he said, he said unto him, if now I found great sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. Gideon was looking for a sign. Gideon was trying to find some kind of confirmation that that this was really what God was talking about. Nate, I'm sorry, I don't think I gave you this one. Depart not hence, I pray thee, until I come unto thee, and bring forth my present, and set it before thee. And he said, I will tarry until I come. So Gideon was saying, hang on one second. I'm going to go grab something. You, come, you, you stay there. I'll be right back. So just to paraphrase the rest of this, because what I really want to get to is uh, 25 through 27. So he gets this uh, sacrifice and cuts it up and, and makes a meal for the angel of the Lord. And he brings it to him, and the angel says, okay, put the meat on this rock and pour out the soup, pour out the broth around it. So he did, and the angel took a staff and touched it to the, to the meal, and fire lit it and consumed it, just like fire consumes the sacrifice in the Old Testament. That's what had happened. And then, I want to get to verse 25 through 27 here. This is still chapter 6. And it came to pass the same night. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I'm actually going to read ahead. of. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm sorry. So, and this is actually verse 22. And when Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. What he was saying is that I'm going to die because... No man can stand in the presence of God and live. So then the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. Do you know what Jehovah Shalom means? The Lord is peace, or the Lord sends peace. That's the first time. See, in the Old Testament, God revealed his personality in, in sections. It was Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah uh, Rapha. And there are specific times when these men of God built altars and gave a name to it. And he called it Jehovah Shalom, peace. The Lord is peace. Because he saw an angel face to face and conversed with him. God gave him a call and told him to fear not. I'm with you. You're not going to die. So he goes on his way. And it came to pass the same night. So now this is where I really want to get to. It came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it. So the seven-year-old bullock is symbolic of the seven-year reign of the Midianites. This is really cool what God does, okay? 
So he, he, he and, and upon this verse 26, and built an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock in the ordered place and take the second bullock and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove that thou shalt cut down. This whole thing was symbolic, what God was telling Gideon to do. He was saying, tear down the idol, cut down the grove, use the grove, because groves were connected with idol worship. So God said, cut down the grove, use that to burn the, uh, the sacrifice. And the bullock that was seven years old is, uh, is symbolic of the seven-year reign of Midian. What was happening, God was showing Gideon I'm tearing down this idol, I'm taking my people back, and I'm going to destroy the Midianites. They're the burnt offering on this altar. That's what God was showing Gideon. He was telling him, don't be afraid, because this is going to come to pass. And then verse 27, then Gideon took 10 men of his servants and did as the Lord had said unto him. And so it was because he feared, Gideon was scared. He feared his father's household and the men of the city that he could not do it by day, that he did it by night. I'm telling you, Gideon was scared. When God calls us to do something that seems way above our level of comprehension, the first natural emotion is fear. Gideon was scared. God had told him to go against popular opinion. God had told him to tear down this thing. You'll be the only one that's standing for me and everybody else will hate you because Israel was in the middle of idol worship. That's where they went to worship. And this is number one, the fear of rejection. He was afraid of the people, so he did it by night when everybody was asleep. He was hoping, hey, I can do it and nobody will even know it's me. I'll just get away with it. You know, I don't have to say anything. God told me to do it. I'll do it and I'll just, you know, blend in with everybody the next day. Have you ever worried about what people think about you? That's kind of a loaded question because the answer is (laughs) yes. We all care about what people think about us. I remember when I was in high school, like, Everybody talks about that. When I was in high school, you had to fit in and you had to do all this. It's true. And now that Tasha and I are, are youth leaders, we see that. I mean, we, we saw that at the uh, the other youth group that we uh, led. And, and teenagers especially have this crazy fit-in complex where we have to fit in all the time. And it's really hard it's really hard to be people of God and fit in with the world. Actually, I would say it's impossible. Because we're not called to be like the world. So we all have that fear. And Gideon was experiencing it in this moment. If I tear down this altar, everybody's going to hate me. Everybody did hate him because of it. Gideon was going against popular opinion. I want to tell you this. Even though we know the things of the world go against the word of God, we still feel the need to fit in. We still experience that at some point in our life. Gideon knew what was right. He knew idolatry was wrong. And he was still scared to do what God had called him to do. The Bible calls the fear of rejection the fear of man. Literally, what it means is the fear of what men think of you. That's what the fear of man means. I want to go to Proverbs 29 and 25. The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. You don't have to worry about what people think about you. As long as you trust in God, you will be safe. Gideon had to learn that by experience. But this is what happened to Gideon. So I'm going to paraphrase it because there are other points in his life that I want to get to. So what happened the next day, people knew it was Gideon. They said, they went to his father's house and said, hey, send Gideon out here so he can die. We're going to stone him. What? It was against the law. It was, idolatry was punishable by death in the law of the Lord. And they wanted to twist it and say, because you destroyed our idol, we'll kill you. What? 
Gideon didn't actually die that day, but everybody hated him. I would venture to say he was probably one of the most hated men in his town because he destroyed what everybody was enjoying. Everybody was enjoying that statue of Baal. Everybody was enjoying that, that idol and, and sacrificing to a false god. And then Gideon tears it down and ruins everybody's fun. But Gideon stood for what was right. Gideon stood for what was righteous. Even though he was scared, he did fear. He had to do it by night. He still put his trust in the Lord and God kept him safe. He did not die. He didn't get stoned. Actually, his father gave him an interesting name. I think it's uh, Jerubbaal, which means let Baal contend for himself. His father stood up for him. And he said, if Baal's really worried about it, let him kill Gideon. Because his father knew Baal wasn't there. So he named Gideon or gave him the nickname Jerubbaal, which means Baal can contend for himself. And everybody left. So Gideon could have given in to his fear. Gideon could have uh, said, you know what? I don't want everybody to hate me. I mean, who wants people to hate them? Honestly, we don't want people to hate us. And we've seen this over and over again in our culture. Uh, we give it the title peer pressure. You're, you're afraid of what people think of you, so you just do it. You do what's popular. You do what, what everybody's doing. As a youth leader, we, I, I've seen that so many times, not just in our, not just in the youth groups that I've been a part of, but you build relationships when you go to like elevate rallies and link rallies and camps, and then you go the next year, well, where's so-and-so? Oh, he's not coming to church anymore. You know, and this happens over and over again, and it's so easy to get stuck in the trap of, of people-pleasing and, and having everybody like us that we get so caught up with that that we forget the word of God. I, I want to I go to Romans 12 and 2, and this is a scripture that we're all familiar from, we've, or familiar with. We've heard it so many times. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Don't be like the world. The world in general is not living for God, so why would we ever want to be like that? Be not conformed. Don't be like, but be transformed. Be different. The people wanted to kill Gideon. They hated him. But he still stood up for what was right. In Judges chapter 6, this is a new, new part in his life. Judges Six chapter or uh, verses thirty three through forty. Then all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the children of the east were gathered together and went over and pitched in the valley of Jezreel. So they were all together. They had combined forces and were all camped in one area. But the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. We're going to talk about that in just a second. I feel a Holy Ghost. And he blew a trumpet, and a visor was gathered after him. And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, who also was gathered after him. And he sent, I'm sorry, I lost my place. And he sent messengers unto Asher, and unto Zebulun, and unto Naphtali, and, and they came up to meet him. And Gideon said unto God, if thou wilt save Israel by my hand, as thou hast said, behold, I will put a fleece of wool in the floor, and if the dew be on the fleece only and it be dry upon all the earth beside, then I shall know that thou wilt save Israel by my hand, as thou hast said. He needed another sign, more confirmation that God had really called him to something. He was still nervous. And then Gideon said unto God, Okay, in verse 38, and it was so, for he rose up early on the morrow, and thus the fleece together and wringed the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. So the fleece was wet, the uh, ground was dry, just like Gideon asked God to show him. 
And then on verse, in verse 39, we really see how nervous Gideon was. Because he said, and Gideon said unto God, let not thine anger be hot against me. Don't be angry, but I'm going to ask you to do something else. And I will speak but this once. Let me prove, I pray thee, but this once with the fleece. Let it be dry only upon the fleece and upon all the ground let there be dew. He asked God to do the opposite the next day. And God did so that night for it was dry upon the fleece only and there was dew on all the ground. <laughs> Talk about somebody scared asking for a sign and then said, okay, if it's really you, God, do it backwards this time. But this is our second area of fear, the fear of incapability. Gideon needed two signs from God to satisfy that gnawing fear in the back of his mind. What if I can't do it? I'm not a warrior. I've just been trying to provide for my family as long as I can until we die. Have you ever asked God for a sign? Oh, yeah. That's because we're fearful people, just by nature. People get scared, especially when some uh, entity from a higher plane calls us to do something that doesn't make sense. Especially when God Almighty reaches down into your life and starts talking to you about doing something that doesn't make any sense to the human brain. I've heard story after story of, yeah, God, uh, you know, God told me to quit my job and be a full-time evangelist. That don't make no sense because evangelists don't make no money. And I've, I've had friends of mine who are evangelists now say, yeah, I was doing good. I was providing for my family. I was, you know, I had a really good paying job and God called me to full-time evangelism. And now we're never home. God has to bless us to make it through the month. That kind of thing does not make sense to the human brain. We think we got to get a good job, got to make a lot of money, got to provide for our family, we got to work hard and all this stuff. And when God calls us to do things that don't make sense, we're like, whoa, give me a sign, God. Make sure you, you tell me that it's really you. And that's where Gideon was. Because God had called him to lead an army. He was not a warrior. The only assurance he had, God came to him, in the angel of the Lord and said, the Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. That's what he had to hang on to. That, the, the desire to have a sign from God comes from the fear of incapability because we don't think we can do it. That reminds me of another great in the Old Testament, Mr. Moses in Exodus 3, when God was talking to him from the burning bush, and he gave every excuse in the book to not be used by God. I'm slow of speech. I can't do this. I, I can't go into Pharaoh's house. I, I can't do this, can't do this, can't do this. So God gives him Aaron to speak. But the point is, is that, that we all have that fear, the fear that we can't do it. We have that in the secular world too when we get a new job. What if I can't succeed? What if I can't do what they're asking me to? Truth is, we are all incapable of doing the will of God. 1 Corinthians, before you, you know, get mad at me for saying that, I want to just show you what I mean, okay? So 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27 through 29 but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world, and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not to bring to naught things that are. Verse 29, that no flesh should glory in the presence of God. That's why God uses you, even though you feel incapable. Because when you feel incapable, that's when God gets the glory. It's dangerous when we get, when preachers get behind the pulpit and say, I got this. 
That's, I got, I can do this. It's dangerous when we step out and try and do the will of God. I got this. I don't need to pray this morning. I can witness. I know the word. I can talk to people. That's a dangerous place because when we do that, God is not getting the glory because we're glory hogs. That's why we deal with the fear of incapability because God purposely uses the weak. He purposely uses uh, the foolish things. God never calls you to do something that he will not equip you for. Remember I said, we're incapable of doing the will of God. God equips us to do his will. Here's the big point that I wanted to get to. When we read that verse, the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. This is what that means. That, that phrase came upon in the Hebrew is labash, which is translated clothed. This is amazing because God clothed Gideon in his presence. God clothed Gideon in his spirit to do his will. When we put our faith and our trust in God, we will be safe. Acts 1 and 8, we all know that scripture. We've heard it at some point. But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you will be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. What I want to talk about is that word power. We've probably heard preachers talk about that too, what that means. That's dunamis or another, trans, or another word for it is dynamis. That's where we get dynamite from, the word dynamite. In the Greek, I was looking in a Greek dictionary for this one, okay? I was digging deep. <laughs> in the Greek, that word dunamis for power, that's right there. What it means is strength, power, or ability. What God is saying you shall receive ability after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. The Spirit clothed Gideon, and, and God gave him the ability, the power to do what he had called him to do. And that settled Gideon for a little bit. At this point, Gideon is still probably still scared. He's got his army now. There's about 32,000 of them, which sounds like a lot. But if you look, if you read ahead in Judges uh, 8 and 10, it talks about the battle that Gideon just fought. Because this is reading ahead, okay? So in Judges 8 and 10, it says the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east had 120,000 in the valley. 32,000 against 120? Those odds ain't very good. That's like me trying to take on all of you right now. You guys are going to win. I'm a wimp anyways. They were getting prepared. They were, they were uh, putting everything together. Imagine knowing those odds, 32,000 against 120,000. I mean, would you be scared? I would be. I'd, be. I'd be scared out of my mind. Then God speaks to Gideon. You have too many people. What? This is all we can get, and we have too many? It, I, I couldn't imagine what Gideon was thinking when God spoke to him and said, you got too many people. So, okay. Uh, the bad guys have 120,000 troops. We have 32,000, and you want me to send people home. The fear of defeat. This is the last, last kind of fear that I want to talk about, the fear of defeat. Fear is contagious when we allow it to grip our hearts. It's contagious. Judges 7, 2 through 3, 2 and 3. I just want to read this one really quick. And the Lord said unto Gideon, the people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. Now listen to this, remember, we just read, no flesh will glory will, will glory in the presence of God. This is why God said you have too many. Lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, mine own hand hath saved me. That's why God said, you got too many. I'm going to do it my way. Now, therefore, go to proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And their return of the people 
their return of the people, 20 and 2,000, 22,000 people left because they were scared. And there remained 10,000. There's a scripture in Deuteronomy 20 that talks about how fear is contagious. There, it's, it says, I'm going to paraphrase it, the elders had gathered the people of Israel uh, because they were about to go into battle. And they said, do not be afraid lest your brothers fail. That's what, 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 what Gideon and God were doing. They were weeding out those who had allowed fear to grip their hearts. It's not wrong to feel fear, but the problem is, is that if we succumb to fear, fear paralyzes progress. There's no way to move forward when you're paralyzed with fear. And that's what just happened here. Gideon's like, all right, guys, whoever's afraid, go ahead and go home to your family. Go ahead and leave. 22,000 men left, leaving them with 10,000 people against 120. The odds just went from very slim to extremely slim. So Gideon's got 10,000 left. You thought he was nervous with 32,000. Can you imagine now? 22,000 left. Now there's only 10 left in his army. God said to him, you still have too many people. What? Gideon has to be flipping his lid right now. Why have too, too many still? So God says, okay, stop and get water. You're going to separate these guys out, right? So the ones who, it took me a little bit to get this, okay? I was reading through it like a ton of times. If I get it wrong, don't hold it against me, okay? The way I understood it, God said, okay, you're going to stop it at, at this place. You're going to get some water and watch the men. The ones who bring their hand, I need y'all to help me, bring their hand and lap it like a dog. And then the, the others dunk their head in, right? Got it. That's right. Okay, good. I was just making sure I got it because <laughs> it was confusing the way it was laid out. I should have read it in a different translation. That probably would have helped. Um, anyways, God's like, all right, separate those guys. So there ended up to be 300 right here that brought it to their mouth and laughed like a dog. And then there ended up being, what is it, 9,700 that didn't do that? And the ones, the 9,700, God's like, send them home. About to have a heart attack. 300 men against 120,000. What? That reminds me of, I'm a history buff, so that reminds me of the, uh, the Spartans, the 300. But in that story, all of them died. So, 300 against 120,000. What is going on? But get, God had a plan. Gideon ended up with the 300. Gideon's getting ready for the battle of his life. I, I don't know how you can psych yourself up for that battle. I mean, it's not like you're going to play a football game and you're, you know, getting ready. Like, oh, I can do this. I don't know how you do that for this battle. We got 300 guys, and there's a valley full of not just Midianites. It's Midianites, Amalekites, and the people of the east. So, this is uh, the last area in Judges that I want to read. And this is the last part of Gideon's life that I want to um, give to you today. It's Judges 7, 9, 10, and 11. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Arise, get thee down unto the host, for I have delivered it in, into thine hand. Whew, that's good, because we weren't about to win. Verse 10, but if thou fear to go down, this, this fear reoccurred three specific times in Gideon's life where God dealt with his fear. He said, if thou fear to go down, go thou with Pura, it's not Fura, I thought it was Fura. Tasha corrected me when I was reading it to her. Thy servant down to the host. Verse 11, and thou shalt hear what they say, and afterwards shall thine hands be strengthened to go down unto the host. Then went he down with Pura. He was scared. God said, if you're scared, go down with this guy. 
and he did. And he went down with Pura, his servant, unto the outside of the armed men that were in the host. I'd be scared to. I know I've been saying that a lot, but Gideon had a lot to be afraid of. He had a, he had a lot of things, especially at this point in his life, to be scared of. He had to be, he didn't have to be, but he was afraid of the people of Israel when he tore down the statue of Baal. He was afraid when God gathered the army. And he was afraid here when he was getting ready to go to battle. But I want to stop and say, we all fear defeat. Men, we struggle with that all the time. We're afraid that somebody's going to show us up, right? We always get scared about that kind of thing. But there's a difference between feeling fear and allowing fear to control you. So we deal with, with uh, this fear of being defeated in temptation. We feel this fear of being defeated uh, in spiritual battles and, 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 and in our physical life. And Gideon was dealing with the same thing. But I want to tell you that when Gideon went down with his servant, he came back a new man. He came back different than he had ever been. He came back because he was listening to these uh, Amalekites or Midianites or the people of the East. They were talking and one of them said, and I, I want to read this part. It's uh, verse uh, chapter 7, verse 13. And when Gideon was come, behold, there was a man that told a dream unto his fellow, said, Behold, I dreamed a dream, and lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of Midian and came into a tent and smote it that it fell and overturned it, and the tent lay along. The, these, this guy had a dream about the people of Israel defeating the Midianites. A little cake rolled into the camp and destroyed the tent. And that was symbolic, showing that these, this small group of 300 men are going to take out 120,000 of their enemies. When Gideon heard that, he came back. And he worshipped and said, the Lord has delivered them into our hands. He came back different. He wasn't scared Gideon anymore. He was Gideon the mighty warrior, what his name truly means. He came back in the fullness of what his birth name was. One thing I find interesting, they, they all surrounded the camp. All, all the people of Israel, they surrounded the camp. What's interesting though, is that the Bible never says that they had swords and shields. They had trumpets, and they had torches in vessels. What happened is they, they surrounded the, the, the camp. And when it was time, when the Lord showed the sign to Gideon, he said, all right, let's do this. And they all shattered their vessels. The torches lit. They all blew trumpets. And God caused confusion in the whole camp. The Israelites didn't kill anybody. They killed themselves. They were scared. They were afraid. God caused confusion. They ended up attacking each other and slaying each other. There was no way that 300 men were going to take on 120 without the help, not just the help, but without God doing it for them. Nowhere in history have 300 men ever defeated 120,000 men except here. This is the only time. And God did it so that he would receive glory and the children of Israel would return to him and not worship Baal anymore. If you read, like I mentioned, Judges 8 and 10, it says specifically there were 120,000 men there. And God caused them all confusion and they killed themselves. I want to read two scriptures to you. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Most of us can probably quote that one. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on thy own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. God does not work like we do. We have to trust in him. 
And then I want to read Psalms 3, 3, Psalms chapter 3, verses 3, and then I want to skip to 6 through 7. It says, but thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, the lifter up of mine head. I will not be afraid of 10,000s of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all my enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. We all struggle with the fear of rejection, of incapabilities and defeat. But I want to tell you that fear is not of God. Fear not, God speaking to his people, shows up 144 times in the Bible. Tasha and I were going through that a little bit, and just to Abraham, it was like seven or eight times. God, when he showed up to these men, a lot of times he would start by saying, fear not, I am with you. I'm going to tell you to do this, but fear not, because I'm with you. God told almost Every great man or woman in the Bible, fear not at some point. Think of Mary when the angel came to her. That was Gabriel, right? Gabriel? When Gabriel the messenger came to Mary, the first thing he said was fear not. God approaches the fear right off the bat and says, don't worry about it. I know your natural inclination is to be afraid, but I got this. Don't worry. I'll take care of it. That's the attitude that we have to have. Is there's, no, there's nothing wrong with feeling fear. We can't allow fear to grip our hearts. Fear paralyzes progress. God always tells us, fear not. I have it in control. We have no need of fear. The last scripture I want to go to is 2 Timothy 1 and 6. 2 Timothy 1 and 6. And seven, actually. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. There's no need for fear. God's got this. I don't know uh, if you're, you know, experiencing something in your life right now. I don't know if God's calling you to do something that you're uncomfortable with. I don't know if God's leading you in directions that you have not seen before, but I want to encourage you, do not be afraid. Fear not, because God is with you. All the steps that you take, God is with you. Trust in him with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding because his ways are much higher than our ways. And if we acknowledge him in everything we do, he will direct our path. He will make our path sure and our footsteps will be in his dominion and glory. God will walk through everything with you. God does not fail. You are a mighty man and woman of valor not because of your own courage, but because God is going to do a work through you. If we could all stand, I'm going to wrap it up. There's no need for fear because God doesn't lose. When God calls us to do something, it's not like, well, maybe God will come through. That's not the way God works. God does not lose. Fear can be paralyzing. I remember there was a, a point in my life when, and please excuse the personal reference, but um, this is something that I want to share with you because I'm not the only one who's dealt with this. There was a point in my life when I was like early teenage years, right? For almost two weeks, I would wake up in the middle of the night at two or three o'clock every night gripped in fear. The kind of fear that makes the dark look or that makes the room look darker than it is. The kind of fear where you're laying on your side in bed and you're scared to turn over. That kind of fear. That's paralyzing fear. 
And I would lay here on my side. I would say, okay, on a count of three, one, two. No, let me restart. On the count of 10, and I'd get to nine. I'd be like, no, I can't do it. And I'd lay there for a good 30 minutes in absolute fear. I didn't understand it. I still don't understand it. The only thing that I can think of is that was, that was when I was returning to God. And I had recently felt the call of my life to ministry. And then all of a sudden this happens. The only thing that I could ever think that it was, was an attack straight from the enemy. Fear. The enemy uses fear. People understand the power of fear. You see dictators and, and evil people in the world use fear against us and use fear against their own people to control them because fear is paralyzing. The enemy uses fear. The enemy puffs himself up to make him look so scary and so afraid. And if we're not careful, we will be scared. The Bible says be vigilant, always watching always on guard not because we're going to fight the battle on our own but because God's with us and we can't allow fear to grip our hearts to the point where we can't move fear will cause us to plant roots and stay in one spot and never move again even when God's reaching and calling saying come come to a come to a deeper level with me the fear will not let us move. We'll feel paralyzed, like we're trying to move, but we can't seem to actually get there. But I know that God's given this word for a purpose, whether it's for right now or something that you might go through. I just want to encourage you. Fear not. Don't be afraid. There's no need for it. Did you know that Gideon is mentioned in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11? He's mentioned very briefly. It's easy to move past it. But Paul is writing and he gets to the end of that chapter and he says, and of Gideon and of a couple other people and says, I don't even have time to write them to you. I don't have time to write their stories. But because of their faith, God was pleased. Even in the midst of fear, Gideon still trusted God. He felt fear often. But he said, you know what? Yeah, I'm scared. I can't do it on my own. I'm scared of what people think of me. I'm scared of my incapabilities. I'm, I'm scared to lose. But I put it in your hands, God, and you'll pull through. And I won't receive any glory, but you will, God. If we all bow our heads and close our eyes, I just want to close. I want to let you know that, that this altar is open to pray, to seek the face of God. But if you are currently struggling with fear, whatever it is, fear not. That's the word that God is speaking today. Do not be afraid. Just like he told Gideon, the Lord is with thee thou mighty man or woman of valor. I wonder if we could just take a couple minutes, seek the face of God, come down to this altar together. And if we could just lift him up, give any fear to him, give any struggles to him, he'll take care of it. He will. Jesus, we give you glory and honor. We magnify you, Lord. Rage. I don't have you, to Jesus. be afraid because I know that you love me.